Welcome to episode 653 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 653 of I Am Talk with Coach John Euston and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good. You're looking pretty swanky today? I've messed with the the, the Tuesday schedule, Bevan, and it's biting me back. And the reason I'm looking swanky, well, I'm not looking swanky, I've got a pair of shorts. Well, you've you got the nice shirt now, all hair's coming sh- out the top. Oh, yeah, I'll do that <laughs> up. I'm off to the school swimming sports as soon as we're done here. I don't want to... Ruffle too many feathers there. Uh, you don't get all the, 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 the mums excited. But I've, I've screwed with today's schedule. We're recording at 7 o'clock. We normally go at 8 o'clock. Uh, and he said to me, I'm, I'm on the, he texted me last night, I'm here at 7. I'm here at 7. 4 past 7. Bull crap. It was <laughs> 6.59 as I pulled up. I messed with the schedule and I slept in and I upset all my swimmers because I wasn't at swimming on time and uh, it's all turning to custard. Just take a moment. But take a moment. We're here. We're, here. we're not going to. Uh, last week we were too preachy, Bevan. I think we were too preachy. About what? Just generally, just going on and on. So I think today we're just going to. Where did that come from? We, we, what know. were we preachy about? I don't know. We were just being too preachy. What, what did we talk about last week? That was so preachy. We were, we were just. I don't know. I just got this feeling it wasn't a great show. Today's going to be a good show, people. I got feedback it was the best show ever. Did you? Yeah. Okay. From my mum. I talk is proudly brought to you by Extreme Endurance. Your buffer. And our Patreon. Let's name a few jobs. Brian, the funny guy, Fallon. That actually works pretty well because the, the double F. Um, we've got Adrian Foy Foy Moy. Where does Foy Foy come from? Uh, because there's a rugby league player, um, Foy oh, Foy Moy Moy. Yeah, that's right. Okay, and I yep. think Adrian might be Australian as well. I don't know if he still plays Foy Foy Moy Moy. He probably doesn't now. Yeah, good name though. Do you know the average career of an NRL player is 26 games? NRL. Uh, oh, in a, in a, right, National Rugby League. Yep, right. Yeah. 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 26 games is the average. So basically, the average career Two seasons? is the season. Mm. That's the average. You know, sure, you're going to get the old player who does hundreds of games, but mm. pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, and Michael, the meat muncher, <laughs> Egan. <laughs> Don't know where that one came from either. Michael, we love you. We love you, mate. We love you. This week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. We did have an interview lined up, but it's coming on next week. And it's Joycey, isn't it? We're trying to get Joycey on. Joycey's on next week. Good to get her on to talk about what's happening with this professional organisation. John's history lesson, maybe. Maybe. We'll see how time's going. He's got got a schedule, guys. On a schedule. He's already stuffed it up. We're getting (laughs) him back on track. High five. uh, Website of the week. Wanger of the week. And some questions and answers at the end. So this weekend, we've got Challenge Wanaka. And... Looks like it's going to be a good race. It's probably not what we're going to see last year. Last year was a bit of a stellar field, but this year looks like we've got a pretty good field as well. It's an awesome race, and, and obviously we don't normally talk about half Ironmans uh, in that much detail, but this is a New Zealand race, and it's a race that we're all, especially in the South Island, time very, of year. very proud of it because it's a, it's a cool race. So if you ever want a nice scenic race this time of the year, that's the place to be. Beautiful swim. One of those swims where you're, you're breathing and you can actually see the scenery, oh, uh, yeah. nice clear water, really testing challenging bike ride without being crazy hard uh and then a, a run where you've got a beautiful mixture of trails and uh good honest just, run as well it's just got the right balance i mean if anything you just want some slightly smoother roads and um, that would be nice and just a just a fraction more flat on the bike and then it would be wouldn't be too far off um sort of the ideal uh, sort of all-rounders course but it's uh, it's pretty bloody good as bevan said it's um the field is is the pro field is fairly compact um so in the women's race uh it's very much should be a, a battle between laura Siddell and uh meredith kessler on paper you'd say meredith kessler has probably got the 
the better results but uh, it's almost a hometown race for Laura Siddle so yeah fingers crossed um, you know you're going to see Meredith Kessler out in the front they're probably I don't know you'd say um, similar-ish on the bike although Laura Siddle's probably maybe a little bit stronger and then you'd maybe say Meredith Kessler maybe just a touch stronger on the run so potentially could be a real good ding-dong battle. How much, um, how much is local race knowledge an advantage? Like we know it's an advantage, but how much? Because Laura's done this race a few times, had success here. Well, how much of it? No, I wouldn't have said that much. Okay. Um, no, not especially not for the experienced campaigner. If you're a newbie, slightly different. Because, um, but for the experienced campaigner, they they race on all sorts of courses. So, yeah, maybe if it came down to, um, you know, a shoulder to shoulder run and you're really equal ability, those crunch moments like maybe in this race gun road is so halfway through the run you've got a very um, long and difficult climb and if you're trying to strategize okay I know where to break away it's a little bit like that possibly but in general I don't think um don't think too much um the only other little things you know just thinking about the you know the swim course and position of the sun etc and and also being ready for for any sort of conditions especially in Wanaka because it can be anything what about the boy side of things boy side of things um I think it's very much going to be Braden Curry spanking everybody but you've also got Andrew Starkowitz so again that creates quite a good dynamic he will likely come out of the swim with Braden Curry um or close to him uh and then just try to you know open a can of whoop ass on the bike and then there's a few others that, that may be there or thereabouts you've got Dylan McNeese and a young fella called Jack Moody um, might be there but I, I definitely think it'll be um well not definitely but I would th- definitely put my money on Braden Curry and with Andrew Starkowitz you can never quite know what he's going to do so if you put him against Dylan McNeese you know um it's hard to know. Starkowitz is a, is a high degree of likelihood that he might explode on the run, mm. but he's also done some fantastic 70.3s where he has actually held it together. So, yeah, could could be a really interesting race, but certainly not like last year. I mean, it was pretty exciting last year when they came off the bike and there was yeah. um, there was Jesse Thomas, there was Dougal Allen, there was Gomez, there was Braden Curry, and you had, I think, Joe Skipper, Dylan McNeese. It was just this big line-up heading off into the run. And, and last year as well, because remember Braden just sprinted yeah, he's printed out of transition, and you kind of just thought he's being an idiot, but he just stuck on Gomez's. Like Gomez won in the end, but it was Curry's fight was pretty fantastic last year, and we had a great women's race as well with um, Laura versus. Uh the Austra- Annabelle Luxford, the Australians. So, um, yeah, looking forward to a good race. So, <clears throat> I was speaking to uh, Bill, who is the race director. He does the coast to coast as well and is doing some work on the coast to coast on the weekend. And he was just saying that the aqua bike has been really blown up this year. So, I think last year they had 20 competitors, mm-hmm. and this year got maybe over 100 or something. I forgot to put the coast to coast in here. I meant to do that. Oh. Results so, from the weekend. Yeah. So, um, but, but he was saying it's. It, you know, they added it as a, as a side note last year, I think, or a year before, mm. and it's actually becoming a bit of a thing. And it's, and it's interesting because he said it really helps for people, broken triathletes. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of triathletes who get injured with their run. And so something like, because it's well, 3K 120, so it's a decent yep. race. But then I, I know a guy who's um, Matt Barr, who's a local cyclist, really, but he has a swimming background. He's really kind of taken it quite serious, you know, and so it's kind of cool because it's opening up. The sport to another dimension. And I've added it to all the events that I organise as well. And at the, at the moment, we only get a handful of races doing it. So maybe, you know, the smaller races I do, maybe we have 150. Did that burp come through then? Yeah, or not? Demi, you're <laughs> disgusting, you are. You're disgusting. <laughs> um, we maybe have 150 people racing and we maybe have, you know, 
six or seven in the aqua bike. But again, as you said, it's uh, it's great training if you are preparing for an event. So for yeah, some, athletes, you're doing Ironman New Zealand and you yeah. don't want to do a hard run and a half marathon, a half Ironman. Yeah, aqua bike is a great practice for that. And um, I totally agree. It's it, if they get a bit of momentum, then it does become a race um, because you know you really smash the last thirty k's of the bike, yeah. and then you just got to you know run a couple hundred meters to the finish. So I think it's got definitely got potential going forward. Um, so just a little bit on the coast to coast, you'll hear us talk about that every year. It's uh, our sort of local uh, race from one side of the island to the other. It's uh, about a three k run to to the bike first bike transition, and then you bike about. Uh, I think it's 50 or 60 kilometres and then you have a mountain run of around about 35 that's kind of just a little bit further equivalent of a marathon and then you have a 15 kilometre intermediate bike ride and then a long kayak which is 70 k's. 67 I think. It takes about five hours yeah, maybe-ish like yep. and then you have a 70, bike, 70 kilometre bike ride to the finish. Kind of similar-ish, a little bit longer times than an Ironman. Yeah, but so... It, um, uh, who won it? Um, Do- Dougal Allen. So about 11, 15, I think it was. Or, yeah, so yeah. But a couple of hours longer yep. than Iron Man. Um, but he's, you know, interestingly, he's obviously come from try over the last four to five years. We've seen him really dominant, not really strong bike riding um, at races around the world, solid runner, weaker on the swimming side of things, but won Challenge Wanaka um, at once and has done well elsewhere. I'm not sure if he's won any Ironman races or not. Oh, good luck. Um, but he had, he was the raging hot favourite. It would have been a lot of pressure on him because it was his race to lose. He never won the race before, but he was you know the, the standout athlete. It was a very, very close racing, and it was uh, interesting just thinking how it sort of pans out a bit like an Ironman. You know, there was three guys together for, for quite a long time and then he just sort of slowly pulled away and it was like the last bike ride is kind of like the last half of the marathon in Ironman and then he just blitzed them uh, towards the end and ended up winning relatively comfortably. But it was also- good because like, like, like the coast to coast in many ways when it comes to the race, normally by the time they get to the bike, the one's right, the race is won, mm. you know, and, uh, you know, because I've commentated at the race a few times, and more so than an Ironman, because you, you don't get as me- as much of a strong field as most Ironman, you know, there's normally kind of two guys who can win it, maybe mm. three, um, whereas this year, in both the males and the females, the bikes, the guys go out of the boat within about five, six minutes of each yeah. other, and then the top three girls got off the boat pretty much within two minutes of each other. So and was, there was controversy yeah, in the females and, race. And, and M Power Cookie was not happy. Um, <laughs> and But it was just really great because it was, you know, it was just a real a great race. And so the winner of the females race was Simone Mayer, who's also come back from a sort of a try uh, background. I don't know if she's, she hasn't won Challenge Wanaka, but she's been on the podium several times down there. So again, you know, a triathlete, well, I think she went multi-sport triathlon, multi-sport, so a bit like... Uh, Dougal Allen, but as we even said, uh, it was really close coming out of the kayak, and she had a two-minute penalty for, uh, and one of the bike legs, she did not unrack her bike herself, one of her support crew did it, and so they slapped a two-minute penalty on her, which is, if it's in the rules, it's fair enough, Em can get all angry about well, it. Well no, Em had said she had video proving that it was not true. Ah, okay. So John, we're getting the we're getting the, we're getting the inside goss here. Ah, okay. Yeah, so I don't uh, know if it's true or not, but so it didn't really affect the race in the end. Good racing. Yeah. 
coming up also this weekend, we've got Geelong 70.3. And what's interesting about that is Gomez is racing. Now, I assume he is trying to get a slot for the 70.3 Worlds. From what we heard uh, unofficially a few weeks ago, you know, he's going to focus more on Olympic distance in Tokyo. Um, but he obviously, I assume he's doing Geelong to maybe for just a bit of pre-season racing, but also to try to get that 70.3 slot. But I did note that he is not his name is currently not down on the start list for the Abu Dhabi ITU race, which is the first round of the World Triathlon Series. So be interesting to see um, if that report that he is focusing on Tokyo is actually uh, the case. What's the process of qualification? Because it have to happen. When does it qualification finish? Um, it won't finish until early next year. Yeah, early next year. And and for the Spanish, uh, it will be a case of more who do we pick than necessarily him having to qualify himself because they'll get three slots. They'll get three slots. So one will go to Mario Mola, but they've got some fantastic um, other athletes and Gomez should do it but uh, he'll have to uh, prove his fitness um, and prove that he is, is and it might be one of the things where the Spanish organisation might want to say look we want to breed the next gen mm. you know like you might get two guys who are rock stars and you go at this young kid's you know, we're looking forward to the kind of twenty twenty four, but I still think Gomez has got a he's got a chance. I know it's it's a, probably a bit of a long shot, and again, it's not, the Olympics is another year and a bit away. Uh, but if everything falls in place for him and they get a breakaway on the bike, he stands a chance. If it comes down to a straight running race with fifty guys, I don't think he'll be the fastest runner. But if a breakaway happens, he's likely to be there. And uh, if it's you know five or six of them getting away, then uh, I do think he stands a chance. And it could happen, you know. You've got some really good swimmers. You've got Brownlee and Vincent Louis, uh, and probably. Did you mean at the Olympics next year? Yeah, uh, and then if they could get away and get away from Mola and Co, then I think he stands a chance. I think he's as good a runner these days as Brownlee. Vincent Louis seems to be a, a little bit of a step a step above them, but you never know what happens on the day with the pressure. So I don't think it's uh, it's. I don't think we should be writing him off, but he, he needs things to. But a lot can go happen next way. year and a half. Like some upstart could come up. Oh, well, we'll talk about that in a moment. Oh, there we go. See, see, I'm, I'm feeding the news, John. I'm feeding the news. Okay, Wildflower has challenges continue, and this is basically um, Wildflower, which is an iconic triathlon event, has cancelled their race for 2019, which is a real disappointment because it cancelled in 2017, then they came back last year, and great feedback, really great race, and for some reason they've just said they haven't really been that clear on why. Part of their problems, challenges in the past, I believe, I don't know huge amounts about wildflower, is um, yeah, droughts, so A, having a swim, but then also having the permission to run the event in there. So it's, it's a real shame because I love these iconic races, and especially it sounded like they tried a bunch of different things last year, as you said, you know, with Aquabike and adding different things, yep. making it more of a festival. It sounded like they had yoga classes yep. and music. Stand-up pedalboard race. And, that, and that's what we need is go... Cool it's things. an event day, isn't it? Well, you go and in this one, you go and camp out. You go yeah. or take your um, take your uh, camper van or whatever. So that's a real shame. Um, so they, they do say they'll be back in 2020, but um, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, hopefully they are because it is wildflower. Back in the day, what were the big races? You had wildflower. You had. We also had um, those the ones uh, the one that had the beast in it. It was in uh, it was somewhere in the Caribbean. I can't remember the name of it now. Um, but yeah, the, what this. this was St. Croix a big one? St. Croix, that's what I was thinking of. Okay. God, you're brilliant, Bevan. Yeah, you're fire. Right, right, let's just record that and play that all for the rest of the show. Yeah, St. Croix, that was a big one back in the day, wasn't it? It, it was, and there's a bunch of half Ironmans. And in, in America as well, there used to be a bunch of iconic Olympic distance races, which uh, which some of them still exist, but they're not necessarily big pro races. It was, uh, Escape from Alcatraz is probably the only real big one that's still... 
Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, of, of the iconic ones that were back in the day. Well, they just there's probably still plenty there. They just don't get the coverage because Ironman and the ITU circuit dominate the news, and uh, and then sort of High V came along, big money in the states. But equally, you know, often the commentary we give you guys is New Zealand centric. So we'll talk about a, a race that was in Europe. There's so much different sort of racing happening in Europe that we I kind of forget about and we don't necessarily see much of it in terms of you know different formats and indoor triathlons and so on so it's um, there's still there's lots of cool things happening around the world. Okay so Jan Fredino has announced his race schedule for 2019 and uh, six races on the card uh, three 7.3s uh, maybe one maybe another half what's that that one Germany no, I think that's a short, uh, short course one, the one in May. Okay, so he's got two Ironman, Frankfurt and the World Champs are his goals for this got year. Got a qualifier? A quali- uh, no, he, no, just, he, just, he just needs to validate, yeah, doesn't he? Yeah. Yes, he just needs and to And let's be honest, he's probably going to be racing Frankfurt pretty hard. I would think so. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Oceanside he did last year and he gave uh, good old Lionel Sanders a shellacking. He's doing a race in Germany, which is just kind of a short course race in Kreitschkau, 70.3 Ironman Frankfurt, as Bevan said. 70.3 world champs, which uh, should be awesome in France, uh, and then Ironman. I wonder if he's got, if there was, I think he said maybe last year was going to be his last year if he'd won Kona. I wonder if he'll be done and dusted if he wins Kona this year. I think this year, when we think of his legacy, now he does go down as one of the greatest of all time, but I think this year in his legacy puts him up the ladder if he can win it this year. Mm. You know, like if we think of, you know, because he's won it twice. Yeah. Potentially, you know, if, you know, he's had a couple of years just bad luck kept win his way. Yeah. Potentially could be at four or five wins, you know, mm-hmm. and this year if he can get that three peak, because how many guys have won three? Crowey, Mark Allen, Dave Scott. Did uh, De Boom win three or not? No, he two. won two. And Peter Reid, Peter, maybe. Peter Reid won three, yep. yeah, but not consistently. So mm. he got them over different periods. So, mm. so only three guys, four guys have won three. That takes them into that kind of next level. Although Langer could get three this year. He could, but yeah. he doesn't have that Olympic gold medal, and that's always something Armfredino is going to have a trump card on on just the Ironman athletes like Daboom and uh, Peter Reid. He's always like he's had a short course career. Well, and well. a lot of short course guys haven't had the Ironman career either. So mm. you know, it really shows. But I just think if he could, if he does go out this year, if he goes out on top, um, right. you know, and it's to me. Based on age, I know you, you kind of differ on this one. I think it's probably his last year. Oh, yeah, and I think it is as well. And especially when he indicated that, um, that earlier that last year was going to be his last year if he was able to pull it off. We so. know he's going to be hungry. Mm. You know, we know he's going to be hungry. Okay, John's IT update. So th- so we are seeing some up-and-comers coming to... Oh, oh yeah. So I mean, the, the, the Poms are all going to know about this fella, Alex G, and I've mentioned him once or twice. Oh, so. someone, someone wrote to us about him. Mm. Yeah. Oh, no, he, he will be uh, the real deal. He's an ex-runner, isn't he? He is an ex-runner. So we had the first Jeez, round... He looks like he's 10. <laughs> first round of the ITU uh, World Cup. So that's the, the tier below the World Championship season. Uh, it's held in Cape Town. Hopefully they've still got water over there. I think they have, which is good. Um, but Alex G took it out. It was a sprint distance race. Uh, came down to a mass run, so very much in his his sort of forte when it comes to that scenario. And he uh, ran away with it, beating out uh, Tony... Oh, crikey. That's not a very... Tony Shimura Gewitz from so, America, uh, only by 15 seconds, um, but it's a sprint distance race. Yao Silva was uh, third, and Henry Schumann was fourth. Um, so he's an ex-runner. What's what, what's the rest of his game like? It's pretty reasonable. Uh, it's not terrible. So, but the difference between him and say the Brownleys is could run with those guys, but he's probably not going to quite have the swim. But if you in, in another year or two you put him up against Moller and things like that, he could be. He's he caught, when he's got a bit more strength 
quite easily be the fastest runner in the on the circuit. I'm so, just watching the coverage now, and he was in a pack, and he just blew away from the pack, didn't he? Oh, yeah. No, he's a, he's a nice looking runner. So he's done some. He did one of the Super League races. Um, it wasn't at the very very front, but um, yeah, he's still a young fella, and over the sprints and stuff, he'll still be good. Olympic, maybe he needs a little bit more time. But if you said there's one upstart that might come through and take Tokyo, he would be at the very top of my list in terms of somebody we haven't seen much of yet that could potentially go out and win it. This, is, this Olympics is really interesting because most Olympics, we've seen a period where the, the old guys have already gone. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you think of like the, the London Olympics, you know, the Brownleys. Was, but, yeah, it was, you know, there, was none, there was no old guy who was going to, you know, get a chance. Whereas this Olympics, you kind of got Brownleys, you got Gomez if he turns up, mm-hmm. you know, Richard Murray, those, to- those guys who are kind of definitely at the twilight of their career, mm-hmm. potentially could win the race. Mm. But then you've got the next guard coming through as well. And the transition to the next guard hasn't quite shown through yet, but maybe in the next 18 months. Yeah. And it will be, I think it's going to be a really fascinating Olympics to see, you know, because after the Olympics, a lot of those guys are dead to the game, aren't they? Well, and they'll go long. Uh, some, some of them certainly would. Somebody like Richard Murray, he'll be a bloody good Ironman, I think. How old's Richard uh, Murray? I don't think he's that old, but as you said, it's 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 beca- ITU is becoming much more of a young person's game. So when you pull up his age, I'm going to be I'm going to okay, I'm going to just take a I'm just going to say maybe 28. He's 30. 30. Okay. So he has been around for a little while, but it's becoming a younger and younger person's game. Uh, the ITU racing. So mm. Alex Yee is is a good example of that. He's still under 23s, um, and we've got a couple of Kiwi fellas who are still very young. But on the on the opposite side of that, we had our elite women's race, and Aueda, who is how old Aueda? She took it out anyway from Summer Rappaport and Tamara <laughs> Gorman, uh, and Rachel Klammer was in fourth place. Aueda, I think she's. Um, mid 30s I think 1983 so yeah 30 35 36 depending on when your birthday is Alex is 21 21 yeah, yeah. no he's going to be a weapon <laughs> well he already is a weapon he looks like he's 10 mm. but he's, he is 21 so good times uh, the first just, round I just think it makes it, it brings an interesting dynamic because for the last few Olympics you haven't really had many of the guys who are the very twilight of their career who you thought could win yeah yeah we had like in in London, we had guys like Bevan Doherty who were were past it, and they got spanked. Um, but yeah, Brett, the Brownleys were at their peak in the last two Olympics, so yeah. it was uh, so good stuff. You know, you know, it could be. It's just going to be a really fascinating Olympics, which is great for the sport. Um, anything else on that front, John? Robert Boom Boom Bielan, uh he sent us through a note, and this is sort of in Did the, the realm vital you. Yeah, so it was an indoor triathlon in Germany in the Ray Lauts hometown. And I got to say. He said it was just kind of. He was just saying they had a video from a, a last year's or the year before. It, it looks so hot. Did you see? Yeah. Did you watch? Who was it? Michael yeah. Rayleigh on the treadmill or on the bike? Yeah. And he's literally got a crowd of people just waving fans, <laughs> towels, just trying to keep him cool. So this was a. I talked about indoor triathlons maybe a, a week or two ago, and I think you know just the whole gaming side of things. I think that's going to be the next generation of triathloners swimming in a pool jumping on a bike and riding like on a Zwift course and then either running on a treadmill or running around a track and and this sort of stuff does already happen around the world I know that but it's not massive Uh, but this race here apparently had over 500 participants and you swam in the pool then you jumped on like the gym bikes which god they look uncomfortable you're really upright and vertical and then you run on a treadmill and um, this kind of looked like more of a fun type thing that they were going for it and it was a, a, a legit race really it but it wasn't like an event that they were going to peak for what I want to see is when they do it more in 
stadiums or you know and, and have big crowds and everything like that whereas this it was people kind of standing around a gym room cheering them on as a speech boy just as you think about it you know you basically try to put you, you limit his pool lanes yeah but you can you can still have yeah you could potentially have uh you know 16 people going at a time um if you have two two per lane and or if it's a 10 lane pool then you can have 20 per time and then you're limited to if you're doing like uh smart trainers how many smart trainers but you could have, if you could go 20 at a time you get through things quite nicely you do, I know nothing about swift can you do that you let's say we're all in this room right now with all our mates mm-hmm. and we've all got our swifts hooked up to one screen can you show that everyone that everyone on the same race on the same screen? Um, you'd be able to show everybody on the same race on the same screen, um, but you'd probably all need to be controlling your devices through your own phone, I'd imagine. Yeah, because it'd be cool if you could, okay, you do a swim, you jump on your bike, there's a big screen with the Swift, mm-hmm. so it's showing a race, you know, while, you know, so the, and then, and, and there's another brand that's done a treadmill that's a bit like Swift. Well, Swift do a treadmill as well. Oh, okay, so then you do that as well. So you literally, yeah. you know, because the problem is, it's not very exciting just watching someone on a stationary bike. Yes. But if there's a visual for the oh, yeah, crowd, totally. you know, and you know, Swift's pretty cool to look at. So if you've got that aspect as well, you can actually watch a race, you know, in that way. The, the ultimate indoor triathlon, though, is what they used to do. They did it in Bordeaux a couple of times, and I don't know that this happens anywhere else in the world uh, any longer, is when they had it, they put a pool in the middle yeah. of the velodrome, you swim in the pool, you bike around the velodrome, and then you run around the velodrome. That was the coolest. Always will be. So we, there was a video of someone, was it Mark Allen won it? Uh, I think Brad Bevan won it. That's at, right, yeah. Uh, but Mark Allen was in it, wasn't he? Yeah, and Simon Lessing and Brad Bevan, I think, ran bare feet. That's um, right, he did too. Yeah. But yeah. that was awesome. It was pretty cool. Okay, so uh, I'll put a link to that. You can go check that out on www.iamtalk.me. This week's discussion, John, did we get in the end? I looked. I checked out a couple of days later. We weren't getting a huge amount of feedback on it. We <laughs> got next to none, which yeah, is exactly why. And even wanted... the ones we got were crap. They weren't even relevant. Yeah, so the question was, we're, we're starting to think of the goat. The gods. The gods, as John calls them. Um, and what we are looking at here is... Um, Females, um, the top females in the eighties, eighties, and in sh- short course. So I'm Bevan's going goats. I'm calling it gods because I'm going greatest of the decade, and I'm defining it as either short course or long course. And I have got a couple of people lined up. I've got Melina and maybe Erin to come and talk about the eighties. Um, so last week's question was female short course gods of the eighties, uh, and. Pretty weak comments there. Rob Dalymore said Bruce Jenner. Yeah. Tim Hemming said Florence Griffith Joyner. Not relevant. You're not even funny. Uh, finally, we have Charmaine Johnson said Aaron Baker. And somebody gave that a like. Who gave that a like? Royden Hawks gave that a like. Bevan, you got any? Uh, there's only. Short course from the 80s. Well, no, then you've got Morton Norby Polson. I was not that old back then, but I started back in 92. But I vote for Aaron Baker all day. And then nobody else got any other ones. Although Libby Hilda did say Siri Lindley. Siri was much more uh, into the 90s. And Scott Fenner said Sarah Cope, who was a British athlete. So, John, so you, I, I, I won't know. No, you so. don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. Thanks. Well, no, I, I'm pretty. I'm very weak in this area as well. So um, that's why we'll get Erin on to come and talk about it. So if oh, she can't have you on, is she? Um, well, I, I mentioned it to Scott, and Scott said she'll probably be happy to come on. So we'll uh, we'll line that up. Uh, so a few names uh, that come up for me were Joanne Ritchie. She was a very good Canadian. I'm not sure if she won any. She did win one world title, but she was always there or thereabouts on the podium. She was an ex rower. Here's a question for you. When did the, the, the split from the athlete being, when did it become more divided? 
for, for Iron Man to... Yeah, no, because like in the early 80s, they all did everything. Mm-hmm. So when was that moment where suddenly you kind of chose a path? Um, it, well, 1989 was the first official World ICU Champs, World yep. Championships in Avignon, France, and then that was won by Aaron Baker. So if we're talking about that era, 88 and 87, they did have a World Championships, and I think Aaron won both of those yeah, as well. Yeah, the video you sent through. Yeah, and there's a, there's a video clip. I watched of it. 1988. I didn't watch it all. Oh, it's uh, awesome. My I'm, pig, I'm, mate. My pig. He looks like he's about 12 as well. Well, but he was just like, because after they do an interview after the race, and he was saying um, he, he went back to his old strategy because he just, the week before he tried to run with Mark Allen, he realized he just couldn't run with him. Yeah. So he goes, I just went back to the pig strategy and smashed the bike. And, <laughs> and he's just, you know, they always say, don't look back. And he's just running, looking back every five seconds. Yeah. It's great stuff. Uh, so put, be, you know, put that clip on the yeah, show notes. Yeah, I'll put it on it's yep. From the 1988 Worlds. So and when she, I that, think she'd won the year before as well. I think you're right. Yeah, so she basically, she technically, she won three years in a row mm. um, but I think it's Erin is definitely going to be the standout when we when we actually do come to this discussion and, and look at some of the females in a bit more detail but, but going back to my question but back to your question when did people start uh, I don't think it would have been until um, probably the mid 90s I'm going to say um, but back then Mark Allen was dominating long course yeah but he wasn't doing well at short course back then so his okay. sort of era was what 80, 89, onwards, really. onwards. But he was killing short course in the 80s, wasn't he? In the 80s, but not in the night. By the time you got into the 90s. Because he won the first World Championships, didn't he? Yeah, this uh, Avignon ITU, he yep. did. But after that, into the 90s, then you started getting um, Spencer Smith, uh, Simon Lessing, guys that weren't doing long course. So I'd probably say, yeah, from the early 90s onwards, um, you still did get a few guys that were doing both distances. But yeah, early 90s onwards, the short course guys were starting to specialise. So the next question I have for you is, in the 80s, when you had kind of everyone was doing everything, were there many people who were just short course people who were really successful but didn't do long? Um well, I think, you know, Scott Molina is a good example of someone who was really successful at short and still did long, but comparatively didn't do as well long as what he yep. did short course. Okay. Mike Pig's probably another example on the guy's side. Um, short course, again, I, I, I don't know a lot of these females um, particularly well, but those names there like Joanne Ritchie, Colleen Cannon and the Puntos, the Puntos sisters did both. But and were they good at both? They were, but you've got to remember back then... Um, it wasn't all about Ironman. I think there was more money to be made in short course. Okay. And so they did Ironman, um, but I'm pretty sure that they made a lot more money from short course. Mm, mm. Short, when I started triathlon, I didn't even know about Ironman and it didn't... Uh, it wasn't it wasn't a big deal and and again talking on a local scale you'd go to your local race and there'd be the odd fruit looper was doing ironman and everybody else was just doing short course oh, wow. now it's almost the opposite everybody's doing short course to train up for a half or a full it's yeah almost a complete opposite so you're but based going back to the main question you you think really it's just you're in, in in the 80s when, when it comes to short course oh yeah 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 when did short course kind of start to kick in probably uh, not till mid Eighty-four. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, be, yeah, I guess so. Where it first, became a viable kind of pro career. That Scott would be able to give us the answer to that. Yeah, but yeah, I would have thought yeah, early to mid eighties. Started in seventy-six, sort of. Yeah, I, I think mid eighties. Yeah. As soon as whenever that American series started off, that was when it kind of uh, kicked into kicked okay, into action. Well, Scott, well, Scott, and maybe Aaron will get them on to have a bit of a yarn about this because we're good to get some insight. So at this stage, we're saying Aaron Baker was definitely the most dominant short course athlete of the eighties. But we're going to do a proper topic discussion on this with some people that know. I'm going to do a bit more research, but it's bloody hard to do research. I was trying to do a bit last night. You try to find the results from 1987 World Championships. It was unofficial. 
duffing out there. You think ITU would have it up, wouldn't you? Well, it wasn't up. It wasn't ITU. It wasn't I know, but you think that's still. You know, it's for the good of the sport. Yeah. Show that, you know, like it was recognised as a world championship, wasn't it? Well. In the commentary, they called it a world champ. Yeah. I think. I'm yeah. sure all the athletes of that year consider that the whoever won that race, Pig, was 88's world champion. Mm. You know, like. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay, this week's discussion. Good one. Good old Nick Hitch Pollock. Uh, Pocock, sorry, is sent through. Um, he's basically saying, we, we need a playlist. We need a Spotify playlist. Well, don't we need several? Because I, I was thinking uh, we would have one for like oh, when okay. you're doing, so okay. I think yeah. you'd have one for like if you're doing intervals on the trainer. Okay, so you're angry. One if you're just doing general riding, you know, you calm, just, relax, and then one, well, not so calm, relax, but then within a pre-race one. So I was thinking we could yeah, do fat boys them. Yeah. So I thought we'd kick off this week's one with part one, and that would be you're allowed to nominate. Do we want to go one or two songs? Depends how many people answer. Okay, we'll go two. We'll change it to two. So you can nominate two songs. We're not going to say they're all going to go in there. You, you know what, John? Uh, I know this is totally off topic, but isn't the internet amazing? You pushed your two then, yeah. <laughs> and it showed up on my screen as soon as you pushed two. God. Like, how amazing it did with the world we live in. Crazy. It travelled all around the world, got back to here, and as you push it to it, I know. Crazy. It's amazing. So this week, we'll nominate, you can nominate two songs to go in the I Am Talk Indoor Trainer Intervals playlist. Maybe what we should say, maybe what we could do, is can we do a vote? There must be a way oh, we can mate, do a vote. You know more stuff. You know more about this than I do. Yeah, we, we, we want a reasonable length playlist, don't we? Well, for an interval, was an hour. Yeah. So what's that? So twenty songs? Uh, maybe. Yeah. It depends yeah. on the length of the song. Maybe. Why don't we go 15, twenty? Uh, why don't top we go twenty t- songs to get through. So we'll, we'll but you're the judge. I'm happy for you to be the judge. I've, I'll only have one or two. Oh, on so there. you don't have a vote off? Sorry. Well, we could have a vote off. So next week we could have a vote for this one as people... You're making things too complicated, Bevan. Okay. Because <laughs> these, these playlists, because we tried to do one for our running group. <laughs> and it was eclectic, man. It was all over <laughs> the place. So it could be a bit of a disaster. So, okay, I am the curator. Yeah. So I'll help out with the intervals one. When it comes to the general riding one, then it could be quite a bit longer. So yep. we might we'll just go anything a free range. Yep. And the pre-race, well, yeah, that needs to be... But a bit, probably a bit more chilled out. Yeah, chill building. So we'll have three playlists coming up. Right. This week, though, it's focusing on the sort of the more hardcore, going the intervals. Um, what's my favourite one, Bevan? What's if you were to go and if you had one, Bevan? Okay, right I've, got, I've got a what, what I call my running playlist. No, just one song. Yeah, no, but it's, it's my power song. So let me look at my running playlist. I've got to say, the Killers have a song called Douglas versus Adams, which was my definitely my favourite one a couple of years ago. Well, let's have a look. You like a bit of anger, is it, John? Uh, no. Freaks with Savage with oh, Tim, dun, Timmy Trumpet. Yeah. With the bass. It's quite loud, John. There we go. That's, oh, I'm that, loving that you're popping out for that one. That would be my number one to go on my uh, playlist there. Oh. So anyway, we'll, we'll cover that off next week. Bit of Muse? Then. Do you like a bit of Muse? Oh, yeah, a bit of anything. Yeah, I think my, my indoor training group on Wednesday morning is getting a bit sick of my playlists. I like this one here. I love it. Now, it starts slow, but My Chemical Romance, Welcome to the Black Parade. Oh, what a song, John. Because <laughs> it starts slow, and then it builds, and it's all about basically fighting the man. And, and, it, and it's this kind of, we stand up for the weak and the, and the forgotten. And, oh, a young boy. So when this one starts cranking in the build, oh, it's one of the greatest songs of all time. 
Oh, this playlist has got a rock on. Gosh. Okay, so if, if you want to add to our playlist, go to www.imtalk.me and I'll put a link to the Facebook link as well. I go, John, let's do a sponsor. Extreme Endurance. Galactic Puffer. Flying out my door at home, Bevan, because uh, I just supply people in New Zealand with Extreme Endurance. And the reason it seems to be flying out the door is people keep talking about it. We keep talking about it. But And I say when, it, when I send it off, look, legitimately, this is the only supplement that I've ever had. Wait, is your phone ringing? No. Oh, I should touch it on your computer. Pull your cable away from the oh. computer. It's the oh, only supplement. Oh, it's my Bevan's, phone. Bevan's phone. It's my phone. <laughs> oh, God. Sorry. Only supplement that I've ever actually had that you actually walk away and go, Jesus, that's actually making quite a big difference. And the big thing for me, as you've heard before, is that post-race muscular soreness or post-hard session soreness is significantly I might have to reduced. get some. Because I'm about to start training for a race. Oh, are you? How exciting. Yeah. What are you going to do? There's an off-road half marathon on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. And for me, the problem is what weekend can I make a race work? Mm -hmm. Because we work on weekends. And so it's literally Mm -hmm. what weekend is the one weekend I can probably make a race work. And it's it's either that one. Or they're doing like a half marathon at McLean's Forest. Oh, okay. Which I thought maybe that could be the one. I thought you were going to say the one out by the, the um, our motorway, which is oh, my God, that's just horrendous. You run up and down this pathway next to a motorway, the, which must be the most boring race of all time. Oh but last God. year they had like 140 people do it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but back to extreme endurance. Like for example, I did a race on Friday night, uh, and next day was out running. I mean, uh, still some fatigue in there, but it's just that muscular soreness is significantly reduced. So you get that benefit in the race of actually pumping out um, more power, being stronger, but then post-race, a hell of a lot quicker well, with well, you your often, recovery. You often talk about, um, you know, getting, you know, you say, you know, you don't have to use it all the time, kind of kind of intermittently use it depending mm. on the needs of your training and racing. And you often talk about leading into a race using it. But in your big block of training, particularly if you're going to do hard running, mm. it's it's a really good thing to put in place because the thing about it is if, you, if you're reducing muscle soreness, it means quality of the next session is better. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so if you can get into that habit of making sure you're looking after your body, that means that you're going to get better days at a higher level of training, which will lead to you being a better athlete. Absolutely. So remember the promo code IMTALK25. If you're struggling with that on the .com site, if you're in the States, just pop them an email. They've had they're setting up a new website, and uh, it's not working there, but the .co.uk and the European site should be all good, and Kiwis and Aussies, just get in touch with me, and I can flick it out your way. Um, fantastic supplement, as well as all the other range of products I've got. So check it out, xendurance.com. Okay, one, two, three, four. Ha-fa! Some smart trainer tips this week. So, as in like devices? No, no. So, the, your smart indoor bike trainer. Okay. And if if we spend a lot of money on the sport, you know, you'll bang down bloody 700 bucks. Do you know what's to, really interesting? It's even got more expensive, hasn't it? Because yeah. I think of when I was training, you needed a bike, mm-hmm. you had a bloody a heart rate monitor, yeah. you had a speedo, yeah. you know, your wetsuit, but you didn't have all the indoor stuff. You might have had a wind trainer, which was yeah. a couple hundred bucks, but it well, wasn't. Now you've got a GPS watch, and you've got a power meter, a power meter, and you've got a generally have a good bike computer. You know, back then you just kind of had get you know, a fifty dollar one or speedo, yeah. which maybe gives you um, maybe cadence and and speed. Um, your power meter. Uh, you You got your indoor. You need like a proper indoor trainer now, don't and, you? And a lot of people now have got a road bike and a TT bike yeah. uh, and a mountain bike and whatever else. And, and then, now you've even got like the, the, the hill device on... on. Yep, so the kicker's got the... Not many people have got those yet. Um, but yeah, the list is growing. And then you need your Swifties. 
Yeah. Or the fees for whatever kind of tool you're going to use. if you do use. a non-wetsuit swim, then you want to have your swim skin. So, it's a, so you know, yeah. like it was expensive back when I played the game. Yeah. But now it's a lot more expensive, isn't it? It is. And, and so we do spend a lot of money on things uh, and race entries. But look, if, if I was to say uh, there was you know, a couple of things you could, you could buy, it's definitely power meter is, is right up there. I just think what, are you, what are you paying now for a decent one? Oh, they're way cheap. They're just rocketing down in price. Really? You know, you can get them for pedals and stuff for 500 bucks or so. Um, and back when we were looking at it, it was like several thousand dollars. So very reasonably priced now. And... The quality might not be SRM type quality, they're like the sort of gold standard, but it's perfectly adequate for most yep. of us for, for, the, for the data we need. Um, but look, if you, the, I think getting a smart indoor trainer, again, the price of those has come down and, and you can pick them up for like a thousand bucks or so. Um, it means such a big difference to your training, especially if you're short on time, especially if you need to do indoor training. And if you've got a, I was having a chat to this guy last night um, at running and he and he, he's sort of talking to me, he's done a couple of our kicker sessions and he's sort of saying, oh, how does it sort of work if you do it by yourself? He's still really new and doesn't know anything about trainer road or, or Zwift or anything like that. And I was sort of explaining it to him. And I said, look, you could, you can get like with some, a standard trainer like that. And he goes, yeah, I've got one of those at home, but I just kind of pedal on it and, and it's kind of, pointless yeah uh, and, I, and he says i just want something where i get on there and i do the work and i just said the smart trainer is the way to go because he was going away for five months to work out of christchurch okay. and i just said look it's a thousand to fifteen hundred bucks put in the big scheme you write that off over now does the smart five, trainer need years. a power meter no, no, that's all built in. Okay. So you've got your power in there, um, but it's it's a fantastic device uh, and really makes your indoor well, training a hell different. of a lot better. That is the difference because back in back in the day when I was doing it, a wind training session was just a waste of time for me. Unless you did like an interval short session, mm -hmm. you know. But nowadays, it's a really good viable option. Absolutely, you know, you can do good quality training indoors. So a couple of tips if you've got a smart trainer, um, and especially if you're a bit clueless about what you should be doing. So tip number one: check your check your smart trainer power and how that corresponds to oh, okay. your power meter. So some people might be doing indoor trainer sessions on a bike that doesn't have a power meter, but then their normal bike does. So for me, for example, I've got bloody too many bikes now I've got, but I've got three main bikes I've got one that's just permanently on the trainer then I've got my road bike and my TT bike and so what I've done a few times is you just want to make sure that the power numbers you're seeing on your trainer that you've got set are the same as or, or, or you know the difference between that and what you see on your your normal TT bike so then you can kind of work out your zones correctly and see if there is much difference generally you'll find that the difference is fairly consistent so for example um, I've got some guys who've got like the the pedals pedal power meters and then we compare that to what they see on the kicker and maybe there's about 20 watts difference for some of those guys okay. um, other people um, for me mine stays relatively uh, Similar between what I see on my bike and what I see on the power meter. So do have a check on that. And the way you do that is you just basically ride with both going at the same time. Exactly. Okay. Yep. And then when it does, if, especially if you're in somewhere where you do all your training indoor during winter, and then when you go to outdoor, then you've actually, you can you can carry that data across um, to some degree. And make decisions based on the different numbers on different devices. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Number two, um, erg mode can grind you down. So if, if, if What's erg mode? Erg mode is when you're on the trainer, and so say for example, you're doing a trainer road session and the workout uh, it basically forces you to do that power so it might be seven by five minutes oh, okay. at FTP and you basically have to just ride it so if you're riding 
your FTP is 200 watts, when it comes to your interval session part of the section, it will force you to ride 200 watts. So you can either ride that at 50 RPM, 90 yep. RPM, or 120 RPM. Whatever it is, it's going to adjust and force you to ride that particular power. Now, when that becomes a bit of a challenge, is if you are doing some really difficult sessions, it can really grind your cadence down and uh, and kind of start working a, a, a the muscle group that you're not really trying to target or your, your the energy system you're not trying to target. So if you've only ever done sessions in erg mode, and that is where you get on and the trainer forces you to do the workout, um, do consider doing some of your sessions in standard mode. So if you're in trainer road, then the smart trainer kind of switches off and it's down to you to actually ride to the numbers so again if we use that example where you're supposed to be riding 200 watts if it's in erg mode it'll force you to do it if it's in standard mode then you've got to just basically adjust your gears to ride that 200 watts or if you're riding zwift then uh, again you've got to concentrate and try to keep that number right Um, i just see a lot of athletes that do the sessions but then it just becomes a grind fest and becomes a strength exercise rather than actually riding it with uh, with good cadence so do play around with the different modes that you've got number three kind of links into number two make sure you've got a cadence meter when you're doing the um, indoor trainer sessions or use your bike computer to keep an eye on cadence because this links into point number two um, I find some athletes just tend to grind a bit more on the indoor trainer and you kind of lose track of your cadence so having a cadence meter is really important um, to make sure that you're at the level that you want to be well I suppose maybe one thing to add to this is, is make sure you set objectives to your sessions because mm-hmm. I love this idea. I, you know, I'm always big in kind of setting objectives to my time in life and whatever I'm trying to do what's the objective of this time um, and because what when you put an objective in place what that allows you to do is it allows you to f- put your mind on that focus so if you go okay well, I want to have a, a session where I'm going to do you know this much in zone one two and three and so on um, but I also want to make sure I keep my cadence at this level in this zone mm-hmm. and stuff your mind's just going to keep aware of that mm-hmm. and so you know you are training your body to the conditioning you want to do in, in the in your, you know in in the um, training so you know, just maybe set it some objectives so you're making sure you're staying on focus with that because it is easy just to fall off focus. Oh, especially with the, the smart trainers, you're exactly right. You can just get into zombie mode where you get on there and you're just riding. So having something to think about, yeah. whether it be your cadence or whatever, is um, really good. So, so keep an eye on your cadence, make sure you've got a cadence meter. Okay, number four? Number four, do calibrations from time to time. And what that is, um, you go into whatever app you're doing, whether it be Trainer Road, Swift, um, Perf Pro, whatever it is, and uh, make sure that your trainer is calibrated correctly. So it's just a couple of clicks. And normally what it will do is require you to ride up to... Um, a certain kilometre per hour, certain miles per hour, and then basically then it spins down, it just calibrate, recalibrates the machine to make sure that it's actually producing And time to time, power. how often is time to time? Uh, once a month maybe. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, number five, keep your senses clean. So if you're... Um, Do you mean like in your mind? Sorry? Yes, exactly. That's exactly what I mean. No, so if you do your trainer sessions in a really dusty environment or somewhere where you can get lots of dirt on your trainer, especially I'm talking more about the kicker, I don't know as much about the other trainers, is if you get dust around where the sensors are, then you can start to have some communication problems if it starts to get dirty. So um, there's a couple of really good clips online where you can, it just shows you how to clean those sensors out. But if you're not doing a workout, keep like a towel or something over your trainer to make sure that you don't get too much dust build up on the uh, the main parts of your indoor trainer. And also, most people will have the indoor trainer in their garage, maybe? 
Um, a lot do, yes, I do. Yeah, um, and it tends to be a dirtier place in the house, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, be quiet, Siri. Yeah, shut up, Siri. Uh, and, that, and then number six, always allow five to ten minutes for IT challenges because they always happen when you're in a rush. So if, once you've got your trainer set up, if you, again, if you haven't got one and you've got your different app you're going to use, normally you just get on there and it's like turn the app on, boom, you're away. But whenever you're in a rush, it's not going to work. So always when you're tra- planning a smart trainer session, it drives me mental. If I've got, if I know I've got an hour and I've literally got an hour, you get on there and you can spend 10 minutes trying to get the bloody thing to work. Every other time it's like 30 seconds and you're away. Um, so always try to plan 5 to 10 minutes for potential IT challenges of just your, either your phone not connecting with your, your power meter, but try to do that and, uh, and you'll have a good session. So nowadays how much indoor training are you doing? Uh, at the moment, I'm only doing one day, one session a week. Um, and is it like high quality? Yeah, well, that's a, that's a group session. Um, and I was doing, it was a stage where I was getting a bit carried away and doing more. And then I kind of fell back in love with being on the road again. I was like, why am I doing all that indoor trainer session stuff? Yeah. Uh, so I do like the indoor trainer work, but I also uh, love getting out on the road. So I think a lot of people are falling into the trap of doing almost all their sessions on the road. And we're a bit different. Again, Christchurch... We've got such a good training ground, so yeah. I do understand why people elsewhere want to do it. But for us here, uh, I'd much rather be out on the road. But um, the trainer is a very good option now. We've got the smart trainer. Well, and there is that thing of like Lionel Sanders talking about because he always indoor trained and he mm. realised his skills were actually lacking and it hurt him. And then so he's kind of tried. He's tried to get back on the road, hasn't he? Well, he's in an environment where it's not particularly safe no, for him. Yeah, exactly. Road. But, but he, I think he, yes, he has tried to do a bit more on the road. Because, you, you know, you do lack skills. That's, he's going to be an interesting one to watch this year. I'm looking forward to seeing how he bounces back. Not that he had one or two shit races and we're all getting carried away going, riding him off. But um, it's going to be interesting to see if he can get back to that same level that he was um, last year and the year before, uh, where he was bloody close to winning Kona. I'm really looking forward to seeing how really he goes. interesting as we think about this. There's no one new coming through this year. No, like you know, it's, it's a couple of years away from the Olympics, so mm. we don't have any of the ITUs coming across. You know, it's this year's pretty much the same name, isn't it? It is, especially because last year we had Gomez and Brownlee factor, and you're wondering what they're going to do. Yeah, uh, I'm sure there'll be somebody that because remember we were th- we were talking about this year could be the most amazing because you're going to have Brownlee, you're going to have Gomez, mm. and you know, whereas actually it's kind of looking more like actually it's it's the same old not, mm. nothing with the guys we got, but it's, it's particularly the men's. Yeah, and then the girls, are there anyone? Well, nobody, nobody's going to get Daniela Reef, you don't think? Mm. Um, yeah, it's interesting, it'd, isn't it? It'd be fascinating to see Langer versus Fredino and Kona. That's going to be good. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Okay, John, now, what, now I need to ask, what do you want to do next? Because Wanger of the week. Wanger of the week. And, uh, so we lost the history lesson because we have done 50 minutes. Yeah, we okay. lost. Okay. The history will save that till next week. Okay, so Wanger of the week. Who is it, Jombo? Wanger of the week. I've just got to log into my Strava uh, and we'll be away. So when we talk, if you don't know what we're talking about, Wanger of the Week, we have an IM Talk group on Strava. So just go into Strava, look for the IM, search for the IM Talk podcast group, and you can be uh, amongst us. How many of we members have we got in here? It's five million. Five million. Yep. Seven hundred eighty-five members. So get get amongst it. Oh, oh, Seth, what are you doing to me? Seth is uh, longest activity last week. Is this legit or not? Too legit. Uh, he's got 46 hours down there as the total time. Longest activity, 31 hours. So Seth Bidding is the fellow who made us um, bring in the rules at Epic Camp uh, where we had the 12-hour rule because 
he went so crazy uh, <laughs> that we had to introduce a 12-hour rule. And he's got a 31-hour training session here. I'm just trying to see um, where that might be. And if that is correct, that is uh, pretty crazy. Could have done my research a bit better on this. When you say he was in. crazy on Epic Camp, what was he kind of doing? This was one where we went to Australia and uh, one time he was out training. Nobody really knew where he was. And then some, we le- didn't turn up for dinner and we left like a plate of food out. And he got up in the morning, the plate of food was gone, but there's still no Seth. <laughs> He'd been out riding during the night around this, uh, this track that was next to, he had a headlight on and was riding laps of this track um, just right next to where we were staying. Because like, he like, used to get like a point for every 30Ks or something, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so. Did he win? No, Gordo took him down. With like <laughs> oh, that's me. <laughs> Because Gordo was a better swimmer than Seth, and he just went down and laid down some big sessions in the pool and uh, and uh, put Seth back in his place. That, that jersey on Epic Camp can create mad people, eh? Yeah. You know, like, I remember doing it, and I, I never went for, for the jersey, but um, I got King of the Mountain once, but but just that jersey, man, people would just bury themselves. To get, remember Del Campo and bloody Mike? Montgomery. Montgomery. <laughs> they, just, they just buried themselves. Oh, Good oh, stuff, I can't John. find that activity. But anyway, Seth was uh, on top with a 31 hour longest activity. Scott Bavel was uh, second with 24 hours and 31 minutes. And Rebecca Spears was in third place with 24 hours and 10 minutes. Now, one of the cool things um, that I do like about Strava is um, it's a bit like Athlinks. So, and with Athlinks, you've got all your results in one place and, and I use Training Peaks for, for all my coaching and for all my personal stuff and that is fantastic for going in and analysing all your workouts and you can tag things so that you can search for say every 20 minute TT you've done but what I like about um, Strava is you can go in there and for example I did a race last weekend uh, on Friday night and I can go in there and I'll have all my performances because if, if there's a segment within that race and we have all those performances and they'll just be on a little graph and you can see exactly compare all your previous performances equally if you've got a particular hill climb you do in your area it'll record all the times you've done that hill and all your performances over time so I do love it on that aspect do you do, do, you do the pro level no, I don't. No, no, no. This is just a basic level. And then equally, <laughs> if you uh, want to stalk on someone, so for example, I see that uh, number uh, number one on the li- the list so far this week is Arnold Sulikov. And if I click on Arnold Sulikov, he's done five activities already this week for five hours and forty four minutes of training. Then what it would take me to look be able to look at his profile unless he's he's private. And then. Then down further down, then it gives me a side by side comparison of um, what we've done in the last four weeks. So both of us have averaged seven rides per week in the last four weeks. Um, his average distance has been 184 kilometres per week. Mine's been 233. Um, my his average time has been 11 hours 45. Mine's been seven hours 54. Uh, and then it'll give you our, both our total distances for 2019. He did. Um, 70 hours of training and I did 37 so about half and then it will give us all time since we've been on Strava and he's done 10 he's cracked through the 10,000 kilometers mark uh, and I've got 36,000 kilometers it also tells me the biggest ride that we've both done uh, so Arnold's longest ride is 182.2 kilometers mine's 302.9 when did you do that 
Was that when you went to, to Nelson that time? Yeah, I've done 300Ks twice. One was Christchurch Merchiston. We did 250, didn't we, when we did Queenstown? Uh, yeah, and we also, I know you didn't, I've done Christchurch to Kaiteri, it was about 240. Uh, and then it's got the biggest climb that I've done as well. What was uh, the 300Ks like? Uh, it was challenging. So I'll give you my stats because that's the cool thing. I can now go and tell you my stats for that day. It was bloody windy. We did 302 kilometres, uh, 11 hours and 3 minutes moving time, wow. 2,363 2,300, metres elevation, Shit. average speed 27.4 kilometres. Pretty Elect- decent really, isn't it, for that time? Consider riding through the hills and we had a friggin' howling. Who, who was this? We, who was it? Uh, a few of us. I had a few lead out people that did the first uh, 100 k's and then uh, then it was just me and a fella, Leighton Matheson, and he he, did, he made about two two. 240 or something like that. When was this? It was on the 12th of December, no, 21st of December 2013. Oh, there you go. Elapsed time 12 hours and 10 minutes. I got third overall in the Shenandoah Highway climb because nobody else will ever go and ride that climb, I don't think. Um, but I love that you can go and do all that stuff. You can geek out on other people and you can compare stats. And uh, if you're thinking, my God, that guy does a lot of training, then you can actually go and compare it against yourself. So check it out on Strava and join up to our IM Talk group. Now, do you want to talk about your race? Uh, right, so I'm doing Challenge Monica this weekend. Yeah. Oh, wait, so what race did you do last Friday? I did a, so last Friday night, I did a little sprint triathlon, um, did the Lake Crichton series, and uh, I was coming off a bit of a low, so I'm, you recall last week I said I was going to do a 90k effort at half Ironman yep. effort, and I was going to ride back from Hamner, and talk, oh, that's ab- right. yep. talk about setting... Take the family away just so you can ride back, that's right. Yep, and we did do that, we had a good time, but talk about setting yourself up for failure, <laughs> and so, so we went up on Tuesday night, and uh, had a nice, uh, what did we do for dinner on Tuesday night? Can't even remember. Oh, we got pizzas. That was great. Thomas got this pizza. He's gluten-free, dairy-free. He he got a gluten-free, dairy-free pizza. And they put this pepper on it. The poor fella, mate, he was just, he was burning up. And we said, oh, come on. It can't be that bad. And we took a couple of bites. And we're like, wowzers. (laughs) And he ate the whole bloody pizza. Oh, really? Uh, But anyway, so then the next day, we went for like a two-hour hike. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) First thing in the morning. And then uh, went to the hot pools. So I'm soaking in the hot pools. Drain yourself. And then then we had, just before I left, we literally, I had this massive big lunch. And I hadn't eaten much in the morning. And so I'd set myself up with a a two-hour hike. Sitting in the hot pools, soaking in the hot pools, having a massive feed just before going. First couple of hours of ride went okay, and then it was custard. <laughs> I didn't get home till eight thirty or something like that. And the, the second half of the ride, my God, I, I my was average a, speed was, it a half was effort? miserable. <laughs> and something, oh God, this is on Wednesday night finishing, and then I had a sprint distance triathlon on Friday night. A couple of these little academy athletes turned up as well. And uh, and I thought, oh, my legs are a little bit tired here. I'm going to can a whoop-ass in the middle part of the bike. And, uh, you take it and, out, did you? And crushed it. Show those little kids. Don't and I got myself yet. a Strava segment as well on that course. It was a nice wind and just whipped it up and got myself a, a little segment there. So bounced back very well and had a very good race on Friday night in control. And that's always good when you're racing and you're feeling like, these numbers are pretty good, but I'm actually feeling like this is quite easy. Uh, not easy, but, you know, in control. So things are looking good. Challenge Monica this weekend. Um, it's a beautiful swim, as we said earlier on. The bike, um, really nice and challenging, and the run is going to be... Uh, I got complacent last time, Bevan, and the complacency is not there this year. So I'm looking forward to 
nailing that run course. What's the goal? Uh, I want to try to match what I did last time on the bike, which was about 260-ish watts. And then last time I sort of set off at just submit four-minute Ks and got to about eight Ks and all going okay and then just fell to pieces. Uh, so the goal is just to have a good, steady, strong run around about that four-minute K pace. Okay. It's a bit... The middle part of that run sort of slows you down a little bit. But if yeah, I'm but if bit, you're good downhill technique mm, in that second half, because mm, you've got that long descent. Mm, so if I average about four-minute Ks, then um, then that'll be that'll be solid. If I come off with a two, about 260 watts, uh, that'll be good. The swim, uh, the swim will be what it is. I'm a bit annoyed with them. for They're doing wave starts. That's just so not is necessary. That category? Uh, yeah, so it's under 40 men first, and then five minutes later, over 40 men, and then f- I think five minutes later, under 40 women, and then over 40 women. And there's just not that many people in the race. It's not necessary. And it's and, and my selfish hat on, it's really going to cause me some challenges. Because you have to pass lots of people. A, you've got to swim through people, which I know lots of people have to do at races around the world. But more importantly for me is... On the bike section, there's a, a you go over this bridge and you have to go over the footpath of the bridge and there's a no passing zone and you come down this hill, screaming down the hill and at that stage I'll be catching a lot of slow people from the previous wave. Yeah, okay. You can't pass them and it's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm dreading that. It's going to be some tactical decisions doing some crazy passing on the have way Have you down. checked out the field? Uh, there's a couple of young fellas who should whip my ass. But I mean, as an age group, and then, uh, not really, there's one guy um, who went to Kona last year, Rion Park, that I raced uh, when we was a junior, probably like 20 years ago, uh, and he went to Kona, I think he's sort of in sub-nine shape, so he's probably the only, maybe maybe the only other one. Oh, here we go, here we go. So looking for, oh, what is the latest weather forecast? We know you guys love the weather, latest weather forecast for Wanaka this weekend, Bevan. The latest weather. What, okay. are you, what training are you going to do today, Bevan? I'm going for a run. I did a class this morning, and Jim was in my class. Oh yeah, she was smashing it, complaining about school teachers, yeah. and then, um, and then yeah, I'm gonna go for. A, I've started my training this week. I'm just doing a, three easy runs, just building because I've been doing much running recently. So I always think, don't get too keen, build back safely into it. So I'll do 40 minutes easy run, run out of the park, do some coaching tonight, and then come home. We have a forecast for Saturday: 19 degrees, chance of shower, southeasterly developing. That's oh. nice conditions. It is nice. Yeah, nice conditions. Uh, so I know people always ask about uh, nutrition, etc. And so here, and I try to ask the pros what they do. Here's what I do on race day for a, for a half Ironman: is uh, pre-race, I will go two M's power cookies, uh, and then. Uh, then I just slam in a couple other bits and pieces if I've still got some room in my stomach, you know, maybe a couple of bits of toast or whatever, and that's sort of about two and a half hours before. Then uh, on the bike, I go two bottles of uh, Infinite, so that's four scoops. I have one serving of uh, Generation You Can. I know a lot of people, you know, it's a bit like run, walk and things like that. People, a lot of people, yeah, it was all the craze a little while ago, but I still stick with it. And I have one serve of you can on the bike and find that really evens things out a bit. Take a caffeine tablet, um, a, a no-dose. I've got 100 milligrams in them. Um, I try to get through an M's bar or close to it if I can, and I carry a gel, um, and if I can get that in. I'm basically trying to get in as much as I can without do you, do you, going do you go? Do you go to yourself, I need to get so many calories in here? Or do you just kind of go, this is kind of what I need? Uh, no, I work it out pretty methodically. So I've got my two bottles that I know I've got to get through and I want to be getting the uh, of Infinite and I know I want to be getting the Ucan the in inside the first hour and then the rest of it I'm just trying to chip away at things. And on a course like Wanaka, you do have to think about strategically where you're going to take in your nutrition. So I'm trying to plan it so I'm 
going to take something in when I maybe got a bit more of a downhill coming up. If uh, I, I won't be taking anything just before I come to one of the longer climbs. So just thinking about where you're going to be taking it, uh, taking in nutrition, and then I'll be topping all that up with um, you know a bit of water as we go through. The so how many calories well. an hour are you looking at? Around about, I go grams of carbohydrate, I don't go calories, yeah, but I yeah, go for yeah, around yeah. about 70-ish. 70 grams uh, an hour. Mm. Okay, great. And then on the run, I basically take a do gel. You, do you go for the 2-1 formula? Uh, no, I just go for infant. It's not That's not two, two for one. Okay. Um, on the run, I basically take a gel at 5K and 10K, and the rest of the way, I'm sort of on Coke. I do carry an extra gel like I do on the bike, and if I can stomach it, I'll take one in at 15Ks. Otherwise, it's just hitting the Coke and... Whatever else I can uh, get down at that sugar. stage. Okay, so it's going to be good times. Oh, good luck. Good luck. It's going to be fun. My money's on Houston. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Money's on Houston. Okay, questions. Good answers. answers. Slade sent us through a great question. He's got, question, how would you go about predicting your splits, especially in this Ironman, in the run split in an Ironman background? I've been a listener since 2008. Love that. Yeah, good times. Um, I would... I could be completely delusional, but I seem to remember hearing John say that you can predict your run split for an Ironman by adding 20 minutes to your open marathon time. My information, I've been close to that even after 12. I've never, I've been, never close. been close to that, sorry, even after 12 attempts. My closest is about 40 minutes with a 440 split and an 1129 Ironman. When I look at heart rate data, I would say it's where I would expect it to be, mid to high zone three, for most of the standalone marathons, low fours towards the finish. Uh, zone two and three for an Ironman my perception is that I'm leaving it out on the course thoughts so that skipped a bone crusher slade yep so I, I probably did say 20 minutes at some st- somewhere in the past and that's probably more applying to the really pointy end of the field so like myself for example that's around about the time that I um, hope in a, in a best case scenario I can be so I think the big question here is have you got a standalone marathon that has you in comparable shape to when you're in peak Ironman shape. So what I mean is, have you trained specifically for a marathon and got the most out of yourself and going, that's not too far off the best that I think I can do. And equally, um, same sort of shape that you'd comparably be when you're in peak shape for an Ironman. And a skip, I'd say you're in the right ballpark. So in general, I would say that around about 115% of your mar- fresh open marathon time is is a good benchmark uh, for Ironman. So rather than talking in minutes, if you're talking percentage terms, that kind of allows for the, the faster end and the slower end. So in your example, skip. Um, you're 4, 440 for an Ironman run split and a four hour marathon. That means you're at about 112%, uh, 112.5% of your um, marathon time, which I think is pretty good. Um, me, for example, best case scenario for me is around about a three hour marathon and Ironman. I've never been under three, but I think I've got the capacity to do it. Um, but having the capacity to actually doing still, it is, is still, another thing. Still. <laughs> I think I did three hours and a handful of seconds at Rote yeah. the first time I did it, but. Just between you and me, it's a little bit short, Uh, but I did get very close, and I I do think that I I generally train for a three-hour marathon or just a little bit under, and my marathon time is 2.38, which was a a really, you know, pretty close to as good as it can get for me, and that was 114%, so skip relatively 
you're performing a little bit better than me um, if your both your times are really really accurate for you. To give you a couple of other examples, if you've done say a three hour thirty. Ironman split and your marathon split is uh, say a 315 that's 108% so what I'd say in that circumstance is your marathon time is probably um, not as good as what your Ironman time is and you probably need to sharpen up a bit on your marathon running yep. um, if you're somebody that does uh, say there's a 30 minute split you do a 4 hour Ironman uh, and a 330 in a marathon and that's 114% which is again around about the right sort of level however if you look at it doing a five hour Ironman run split and a four hour marathon then it's 125% and in that case I'd say your uh, Ironman time is not on par with your marathon so in general as I said around about that 115% so sort of if you give yourself a range of 112 to 118% then you're probably in the right sort of ballpark <coughs> saying you can, you're, you're performing fairly well if you're quicker than say 112% then your marathon time probably needs to sharpen up and if you're slower than 118% then your marathon your Ironman time is probably pretty shabby and so then also what we're going to look at is why are you going slower then? Oh, totally. You know, and, so, and, and there's a few factors. Race, racing too hard on the bike. Nutrition. Your nutrition. Um, not training well in your running. Yep. You know, like, you know, a lot of people don't do great training for their running for an Ironman. They mm-hmm. kind of just get out and just plod. Um, so, you know, you, you, if you are going over that kind of 118 mark, you've really got to address why am I not totally. performing to what I should be performing. And there's a big mental component as well. You yeah. know, just... It is a different game, isn't Especially it? if you're at the, you know above the 50% time of uh, finish, say you're more a, a 13, 14, 15 hour person, it's really easy for us to, I guess, criticise, say we're coming from a nine hour background, but you're out there for a lot longer and the levels of concentration oh. is significantly different. So it's a totally different base you're dealing with. But as Bevan said, you've got to try to look at why is my Ironman time ballooning out relative to what I can do in a marathon. Good stuff. Uh, Joe Spragan sent through this one here. Uh, just was listening to you guys chat about relays and the difficulty of putting on age group events and getting people registered. Just to let you know, it is manageable. The Triathlon Relay Championship has been running in the UK since at least 2010, put on by the same guys that run the Outlaw Triathlon. The format is a 500 meter swim, a 15k bike and a 5k run, where each member of the team swims in the relay format before everyone takes part in the bike and then the run. It's an incredible, incredibly popular event, attracting loads of triathlon clubs from all around the country. Around 500 teams of four took part last year with races in the morning and afternoon. Worth having a go if you're in the UK. Sounds pretty great, doesn't it? It does. And so, Joe, great to hear that that's working. And I think, again, we often look at this through New Ze- our New Zealand eyes. It wouldn't work in New Zealand because we just don't have the population base to... Triathlon to, population base. Yeah, yeah. and we, and, uh, and just general population and we don't have the club structure as well where, where I think um, this mixed relay format would work well and probably and possibly does work well is in Europe and in the UK probably not so much in America but in, in Europe the club system is incredibly strong mm. so they'll have somebody who will organise all the teams when it comes down to individuals trying to organise it I just don't think it'll work very well um, so great to see it's working don't think it'll work in New Zealand but I wouldn't be surprised if it is working very very well in France the club structure there and Germany is very very strong and uh, could work you poms and Jim Flynn just sent through an email just uh, guys how about having a team event four people on a team using timing chips and then adding up their total times everyone starts at once uh, could work it in any distance from a local events all the way to Kona. There could be two males, two females, or a single sex team, and there could be five teams, uh, or the best four, 20, four teams count. Just something in case somebody crashes out or something. 
that's a good idea. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It would just give you that little extra edge when you're Well, what you could do, you could even go, um, you know, four teams, mm-hmm. but your top two from each, each section mm. gets points. So your top two swim times, your top two bike times, and your top two, mm. you know. I don't think this is a new idea. I think it does happen elsewhere, but it's just, as a, as a race director, it's just, I, it's not, not something that I've thought about before. Uh, but yeah, like at your local sprint triathlon, you say, make up your own teams, and you have, uh, as you said, you maybe have, one male, one one open male, one open female, one vet and one junior or something like that. Yeah, yeah. good idea. Just a bit of fun. It just adds a bit of a fun aspect to it, doesn't it? Okay, John, let's mention our patrons. Uh, we have got Coasting, Colette Andrews. We've got Robin, Mr. Big Trotman. And Paul, Mango Mad Moore. Mango Mad. Okay, if you want to become a patron of I Am Talk, go to www.iamtalk.me and there's a link to our Patreon page. Uh, someone once said it's you know the value you guys bring to your triathlon world is worth, worth more than a cup of coffee a week yeah. and then that's a good way of thinking about it so if you want to support the show just go to www.iamtalk.me uh, John sponsors Extreme Endurance Galactic Buffer and again our amazing patrons and just want to say a big thank you to those who are already patrons uh, if you want to get some coaching check out coachjohnnewson.com if you want to check out my podcast The Bevan James Oz Show uh, go to bevanjamesoz.com and I, I released my latest one yesterday with Dr. Sven Henson good interview around resistance uh, sorry resilience uh, content send us through age group of the weeks call websites and any other feedback just go to imtalkpodcast at gmail.com John what, actually, just one thing. Good old, you saw this, and good old John Hancock saw this. This was on Facebook when we were looking at the discussion the week before. And is it Jeremy Remy with the with the wetsuit with the cap? Oh, yes. Yeah, that's that was pretty cool. Yeah, uh, so I think... How'd you find that? No, John Hancock found it. Oh. Somebody wearing their I Am Talk swim cap. And Bevan was talking about patrons. So if you come in at a $10 a month level, which is half a coffee a week, um, you do get one of our cool I Am Talk swim caps. And it is apparently a Jeremy Ramirez. I haven't got his uh, I Am Talk nickname in front of me, but he, I think he's doing this race. It was in Taupo, and I think he kind of swam down a river. Um, so good on you, Jeremy, for wearing that beautiful swim cap. So if you come in at $10 a month, then you get a swim cap. Come in at 20 bucks a month, you get a swim cap and a I Am Talk icebreaker beanie I'm a friend of his on Facebook you know he's always got a nice smiley face he's, he looks like a nice man he's got lots of family photos got a good triathlon or cycling community he gets out and bike a lot with he's an athlete you can tell because there's always photos of him on a bike nice work oh no here's the fears the couple one oh look at this happy anniversary it was the hooker extreme swim and the good old razor razor um, Doherty Ray Doherty's there Bevan Doherty's dad going for a swim is he Bevan X uh, he's done Kona he's done Kona and he's uh Still plugging away at it. Well, Jeremy and Dale had their anniversary on the 16th of, of January. So happy anniversary to you nice. lovely people. I, I, would, I, do, I wanted to use the website of the, a photo of the week, but my concern is the, 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 the company who took the photo might get angry at me. Oh, okay. Yeah, so unfortunately I can't use it. So that's so be it. They, they work, they're going to be paid. John, what's your goss? Um, what's my goss? School, well, the reason we were recording earlier today is I've got uh, swimming sports, kids swimming sports this morning. Going to be interesting. Felicity's first uh, first attempt. Take her out there. Is she doing swimming? Yep, yep. She's doing swimming. She's an okay. So your kids swimming. will dominate, won't they? 
Uh, they should do okay today. I think Tommy was uh, either first or second in his races last year. I think he really wants to crush it. He's pretty <laughs> determined. And uh, and they're not swimmer swimmers. They're, they're good swimmers. But if they come up against swimmers, they'll get their pants uh, pulled down pretty pretty badly. Yeah. But do they have swimmer swimmers at your school? No. No, it's not. It's so not it's the zones where you start to get... Yeah, yeah. And... Um, it's a big thing for Felicity. Like she's only nine, and uh, those dive blocks when you dive off them, they're pretty. Where, do they, where yeah, is it? At Jelly Park. Okay. Uh, those dive blocks are quite a lot, quite high. For a belly flop. So no. <laughs> so I took the kids out there on Saturday practicing their dives, and uh, Tom's all worried about getting disqualified in the breaststroke. Why? Said at school, kick? At school level, you're not going to get disqualified if you breaststroke. Either you kick, or he's been practicing his pullouts, and if you do two pullouts below the water, then you get disqualified. Uh-huh. And you got to touch with two hands. Quite a few rules with breaststroke. And so you can't do my trick of doing a quick couple free freestyle and then neat. spin. No. Uh. And then he's doing the, the butterfly is like an open race, so that all the years they only get like five people, okay, yeah. and so I think he wants to dominate that as well. Could be quite entertaining. <laughs> so I wanted to go. I wanted to go see that. How old Tom is Tom is eleven. Jeepers mm. So, and then the other thing I discovered this week, Felicity's a bit of a bright spark, and she's a bit of a clever clogs as well. And so on Sunday, she did two things. Yeah. Price Park and Clever Clogs. She is. What's the difference? Oh, I don't know. She's she, she and she's catch, she's starting to catch me out. She's like, oh no, she's, she's, yeah. she's showing your weakness. She is. And so on Sunday, there's this. Have you ever been to? I think it's a Bellbird Cafe in the Tannery. They do these almond croissants. Uh. They are the business. <laughs> the they business. are serious. <laughs> Sell out every week. I said to the kids, "Why do these morons not make more almond croissants?" I pulled in there on the way home from try training it. To ten thirty, kids try training yeah. to get myself and Belinda an almond croissant on the way home. Already sold out. What, what the time? hell? By ten thirty on a Sunday, <clears throat> and it's not the first time they've sold out. I'm like, why do you guys not just make three times as many? And scarcity, John. Scarcity, right? You know, because now you want it more, don't you? And I'm going to be there early next yeah, time. See? So it works. Do they charge a premium? Oh, they're reasonably pricey, but they are worth it. Yeah, they are good. So anyway, couldn't get my almond croissant, so I thought, right, I'll have a pound of chocolate. And we'll get one of those blueberry danishes and one of those panel raisins. <laughs> this is just for you. No, this is for one oh, for me, okay. Blunder, and Felicity. And then I said to Felicity, we'll chop, mum will have that one, we'll chop these other ones in half. And so I'm thinking, I'm just going to give myself just oh, a you, little oh, bit more oh, than oh. half. But you don't do the, you know the strategy. You chop, I choose. Well, I know that strategy. I didn't think she knew that oh. strategy. And so I'm chopping them, going, giving myself a little bit more than half. <laughs> She goes, okay, I'll have that one, please. Oh, no. And so she got two of them on more than half. I was livid. It's such a good strategy. It's such a fair strategy, isn't oh, it? A chop no. you choose. Because if you do the chop you choose, you're really motivated to get an even chop, aren't you? And I was motivated to not do an even one because I'm thinking, I'll just give you that. The worst is when, you, when, you, when your, kids are, you know, your kids are eating their food and you've already eaten your food and you're still trying to eye out their food. Oh, yeah. you know? And then you're hoping they don't eat all their food. Yeah. We're all gluttons at times We'll not be making that mistake again When do you go to Wanaka? Go to Wanaka on Thursday And you come back Sunday? Yeah, Monday Extra night Is that family's going? No, just me and Belinda Wedding anniversary on Sunday (gasps) We had our wedding anniversary yesterday Did you? Yep Very good How many years for us? I'm going to say 10 No, it's more than that It was 2006 Oh, so it was just before we started the podcast. Mm. Yeah, because I think we just started training together when you got married. Mm. You know, and then we started podcast around that. Yeah, because we started in April. So yeah, we must have just started. There you go, yeah, just it, after. Yeah, very good. Ben, what's happening in your world? Well, two years married. Two years married. I remember when it was. It was two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> under the fun. Yeah. Well, last year I didn't. I didn't. I didn't really because Joey doesn't really care about events. Mm-hmm. So like like birthdays, eh, she, she really doesn't like her fortieth. I was like, babe, why don't we just have some friends over for dinner? You know, yeah. she really didn't want a party, and, and she said, like, nope. She doesn't yeah. like birthdays. Well, it doesn't she just doesn't get a big thing out of them. Christmas is cool because of family. So, so last year I, I took anniversary pretty lightly. Mm-hmm. Turns out anniversaries are important. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I learned last year. I yeah. need to make sure I put an effort on anniversary. So, um, sent the text because I had to go coach in the morning. So I didn't really see her talk about eleven. That's Bought, a good present. Yeah, a text. text. Yeah, a text. Right. A couple of texts, and I used my my bit emoji as a, yeah. you know, and did that as well. And then um, put some flowers on the way home. You might see those beautiful lilies in the hallway there. I've got to send myself a reminder to do that <laughs> no, on, on Thursday. Got to say, go down to the, the lilies are gold because I don't hear this. Uh, lilies are gold because lilies. You bought. I bought two lots of lilies because you go into the florist shop. How much do you pay for a flowers nowadays, John? <laughs> You don't need much change out of 50 bucks. Exactly, but two bunches of lilies, 30 bucks. Yeah. She loves lilies. They put out a great smell. Oh, bloody hell, it's Valentine's Day on Thursday as well. I hate that day. See, she doesn't care so much about no, Valentine's no, Day. No, I don't care that much about so Valentine's Day So that's why day I was either. confused last year. So then we, so we, so, so I did that, and then we went out for dinner to the Asian night market. That's in, in, in I am listening, but I'm also putting a reminder here for me <laughs> <laughs> into my diary. Lilies, lilies, two bunches, 30 yeah. bucks, trust me. And I love it. Um... Uh, so went to the Asian, have you been to the Asian food market? I have not. It's pretty busy. Yeah. I've pretty busy. And the only problem is, John, what's one thing, when you go out for dinner, what's the first thing you think about? Quantity. Uh, quantity. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Volume. Yeah. And so you go there and we, we got a meal. And it was 15 bucks for a meal. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't enough. And then, when, then I went and got another $15 meal. Mm-hmm. I was still hungry. Oh. So I came home and had a bit of quiche from the night before. Oh, no. You know, now it was nice. It was nice tasting. Yeah. But come on, team. I did my once in a year once KFC, a year. KFC on Friday oh. night. What happened this race? I, I don't do takeaways like that. Why, so it happens once a year, do you? Well, pr- pretty damn seldom. And do you maximise that once a year? I went a bit over the top. <laughs> Tell me about it. So we were, Tom said on the way, we we're coming home from the try, and it's Friday, because this race on Friday night starts at 6.30, and you're not out of there until sort of 8.15 after prize giving 8.30, and I just said, well, let's get away. And he said, can I get some McDonald's chips on the way home? I said, I'm pretty hungry. I haven't had anything, because he had all this other food McDonald's chips are different to KFC, because I don't eat either of them. KFC's chips are more soft. Yep, and so I said, ah, oh, McDonald's is just shit. Yeah, let's go to KFC. <laughs> let's go to KFC. The burgers are better, and and you can have some chips and a drink. So I said, I said we'll get two meals. I'll have the burgers. <laughs> you can, we have a drink each, and you can have pretty much all the chips. I got two burgers from KFC. I'm going to say, their, their burgers are pretty reasonable. Do you know what? Even just a good old-fashioned KFC bit of chicken. Yeah. Oh, yep. You know what it is, John? It's finger-looking good. Finger-looking good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that was good times. I did enjoy McCaffrey, but I was pretty bloody full after two burgers. Yeah. They were quite good. So I've got to give thumbs up to KFC, thumbs down McDonald's. Your burgers are shit. Hey, but have you tried the nice KFC McDonald's burgers? No. Like uh, the Angus burgers? No. Neither, because I don't really do either. But we'll, occasionally, if we, if Joe gets on the Terps, which is very occasionally, <laughs> yeah. and it's and she's never really, I've been with Joe, what, 11 years? I've seen her drunk maybe four times. Um we will get a bit of Burger King on the way home. Right. She likes to see a bit of Burger King when she's a bit happy. Nice. So occasionally we'll get a Burger King. But yeah. but going back to my quick story, because I know you've got to go, 
so we get home. I thought I've nailed the day. Yeah. I got the flowers, you know, a bit romantic, sent a few texts, yep. took her out for dinner, mm-hmm. needed more food, but still. And she goes, oh, I have got you something. And she got me bloody tickets to the Warriors. Oh, I was pretty Warriors. stacked about that. I've, I've never seen the Warriors play live. Oh, I. Is there two tickets? There is two tickets. She, you can take her if you want. Well, well, maybe I can take you. <laughs> not, you my wife, not my wife. It's in uh, Christchurch or Auckland? Christchurch. They're playing the uh, Manly. Ah, yeah. Very good. So I'm looking forward to that in the end of March. Anyway, John, let's wrap it up. You've got to go support your kids. I'm Russ. I'm Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.